Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. So my name's Britt. It's good to be together. As Ryan shared, we're in our second week of our series, Christ in Us, Christ Through Us. And Ryan kicked it off really well last week. If you haven't listened, go ahead, go back, listen to that podcast when you're running, riding, walking, whatever that looks like. Basically, we want to look at what is Christ inviting us to do? What does he want to do in us? How does he want to change us? What's happening in our inner world? And how does it affect how we minister to those around us and Christ moving through us? So Christ in us, Christ through us. It's a great little series. Um, and I just wanted to share, I want to be honest, when we prepare for a series, it's not just what would be interesting to preach on. I'm a Bible nerd and I would happily preach to you about multiple things, but you guys will be like Snoresville. So... We pray and we seek God and say, what actually is going on? God, what do you want to speak to your people gathered at Red in Melbourne in 2022? Also what happens when I prepare for a sermon, God often talks to me about what he's asked me to speak about. And that definitely happened with this one. I don't know about you, but I've been trying to reset after two years of whatever life has been for you. I've been doing my best to get some rhythms back in, seeking God. I just feel like I can't get some breakthrough though. If I'm really honest, I've actually been struggling. I feel like I keep trying to create something and it's just slipping or it's not quite right. And I've had this tension and frustration in that and there's been this wrestling in it and I actually saw an Instagram post on Tim Hughes' Instagram um, from a social psychologist called Amy Cubby who wrote in the Washington Post And she described something that she's coined this term called a pandemic flux syndrome. Bit weird. Basically, she says, if you're experiencing sadness or anxiety, blunted emotions, along with an urge to dramatically change something, that's what that is. I don't know if you guys are feeling that. I definitely have been this thing of like, if I could just change something, maybe I'll get back into alignment. Maybe things will feel a bit better. Maybe they'll feel like what they used to. And so I've kind of been wrestling with that personally. What does that look like to see God in that? Why do I keep having these moments? And I was thinking about it more and the way I would describe it, it is it kind of feels like this, this fracturing. I feel a bit fractured, fragmented in a way. And I, I was dwelling on that more. I used to be a nurse. Um, so I love anatomy and physiology. I'm just fascinated by it. I think it's really cool. So I wanted to look that up and be like, what actually happens when you have a fracture? I'm sure there's a bunch of you in the room that have experienced this. Um, and so I want to describe it to you. Now, forgive me if you're a health professional. My language is a little bit lax from not studying for a while. Also, if you don't like talking about bodily things, I'm going to keep it pretty PG so no one's like, oh, I feel unwell. Or you start feeling the pain where you used to have a fracture. So I'll do my best to sit in the middle. So anyway, when you, when you have a fracture, whether that be a hairline one, you know, those tiny little ones that come after like heaps of pressure or they're, just, they're only just subtly coming up on x-ray, or like the really intense one where it's a compound fracture where that guy's like busted through the skin, it's broken, it's pretty hectic. Either way, something happens. Your body immediately sends blood to the site and it kind of clots around the fracture, covering it, rushing towards it. This is in the first like one to five days. It's just blood's getting down there. They're They're all banding together, making their way down to bring some healing to that space. 
In the next five to 11 days, something else happens. All the blood that's sitting there and continuing to bring that life, it causes this thing, which I'm going to try and say, a fibrocartilaginous callus. That wasn't that bad. Um, forms. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, basically, that starts to form. And what it kind of looks like, imagine like a lattice forming. So these fibers kind of start to form and it's shaping itself around the fracture. Liddy's face right now. She's one of those people who's like, don't talk about these things. Amazing. It's starting to form. And then in that, it starts to bring some stability, right? If you think about a fracture, what happens? Something is whole and there's a break and there's this gap that can come. And so it's trying to create a more stable environment. And then finally, in the 11 to 28 days, also, isn't this amazing? We're talking days here. How quickly is our body doing this? This bony callus forms. And so it starts, this ladder starts to become a little bit richer and a little bit stronger, and it kind of calcifies. And so it kind of was having this framework around this fracture. Fascinating. As I was thinking about it, reading about it, being a nerd and enjoying it. I realize that's kind of how I feel. I feel a little bit calcified. Like I've done some spiritual, emotional, mental first aid. Got the first like, first stage is done. But I feel a bit stuck because what happens when you get calcified? What happens to a bone? It becomes brittle. There's no movement in it. It doesn't do well under pressure. Can you relate to this? Yeah, this is, this is where I find myself. And I, I wonder what is, what is that? What makes this happen? And really, this sense of being fractured, these things that happen to us, they can represent different things. But really what I'm talking about is it's, it's loss. Any form of loss causes these fractures in our lives. And that can be as simple as the feeling of losing your youth. Or other things, um, dreams, <laughs> routines, stability, transitions, or really sudden things like you've lost your job, you've lost a family member, and you've lost a part of your health. And then other things like you feel lost maybe in the church, you feel loss and grief from a leader, from an experience that you've had, maybe from God himself, or maybe from the illusion, sometimes of the family that is of Jesus. We all have loss in our lives. If you're human, you will experience loss, and it can vary. And weirdly, our culture, this Western culture that we immerse ourselves in, that we live in, tells us that loss is like this little alien invasion into our worlds, being like, whoa, 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 hey, I'm not meant to experience this. But actually, what if these fractures that we have in our lives, whether it be something that we've incurred recently, whether it be if you took an x-ray on your emotions and your spiritual health, you see some scars from your family of origin, whatever it may be, what if loss isn't meant to be this alien invasion, but actually is the place where self-knowledge and transformation can come? What if that's actually what takes place in these fractures and what if that's the invitation? And would you have the courage? Do I have the courage to participate in that healing, in that process? Just as we do when we have a fracture in our body, we rest, we immobilize. 
We eat well. We need that nourishment to bring healing. And so I want to look at a passage in Romans to explore this further. So we're going to go to Romans 5. It's a fantastic book. If you've never read it before, it's by Paul, who is a theological nerd. It's rich with theological words, and there's a lot in there, but it's a really beautiful book to read as well. So we're going to look at 5 verses 1 to 11. The thing about this book is it's actually, well, it was actually written as a letter to the church in Rome. At this time, Rome um, is occupying, well, they're occupying Rome, aren't they? Um, But, well done, Brit. The Jews and Gentiles are living in an occupied place by Rome, and that means things are tough. If you remember, Romans brought Christians into the Colosseum to kill them for entertainment. This is a hectic place to be a Christian. Not only that, when Paul writes this letter, the church has been mostly Jewish, but now there's a huge, huge influx of Gentiles, those who have not followed Yahweh and now coming to follow this God. And so he's actually writing to the Romans because of the division, the fractured relationships between the Jews and the Gentiles and learning how to live life in this hostile world. And so I want to look at this as we explore this idea of these fractures we have in ourselves and inevitably, therefore, the fractures we have in the relationships around us. So let's read the text and explore this further. Romans 5, 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I just want to highlight that word. If you're here today, seeking God, wanting to know who he is, but feeling like you're not sure what that looks like, or that maybe you're not quite good enough, I just want to speak this truth over you, that God loves you. That before you arrived today, before you became aware of him, of who he is, of the way he's drawing you towards him, he has loved you. No matter who you are, where you've been or what you've done. And he sent Jesus to make that love known in you and through you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for me and for you. Let's keep reading. Since we now have... Well, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So many words. (laughs) But it's good. The keywords I would love to draw out that really stuck with me when I was reading this passage was justify and reconcile, particularly that last one, reconcile. Paul repeats it a number of times. 
And these two words are basically descriptors of what happens in our salvation. We are justified. God declares us innocent and absolves us of all our sins from punishment because we all fall short of the glory of God. And when we confess that we have fallen short and believe that Jesus died and rose again to bring that freedom and that truth, Jesus has brought that authority. God says to us, you are justified. Removes that hostility between us. We can come close to God and that's that reconciliation. Justification and reconciliation. One is judicial and the other is relational. And Jesus came to bridge that gap because the disruption, that fracturing took place in the garden, if you know the story at the beginning. And a disruption with our creator actually infiltrates every area of our lives. And you see this in the biblical text. Not long after Adam and Eve came, come Cain and Abel, and they lived extremely fractured lives. The division between them was in, led to death, essentially. And that's happening throughout the biblical narrative. It's humanity. It's you and I. We're designed to grow and receive that reconciliation from God and then offer it to those around us. Be people of reconciliation. This is what God comes towards us with. This is how he demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners, that gap. Think of that fracture again, that breaking, that breaking of relationship. He's come to bring reconciliation, to bring it back together. And reconciliation usually requires two people. It requires that we participate. He has come towards you. Will we come towards him? And not in a way where we strive and earn his attention or his love. No, that is not what he asks of us. But will we participate just as we do in the healing of our bones? Will we participate in the reconciliation with Jesus and God and Father? Pete Scazzaro says in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, that Christianity is not about our disciplined pursuit of God, but about God's relentless pursuit of us to the point of dying on a cross for us that we might become his friends. The inexhaustible God loves us so intensely that every time we turn to him after wandering from his love for us, all heaven breaks out in a thunderous celebration. Most of us believe this intellectually. This is the message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Experiencing this infinite love in our hearts, however, is another matter. I love that passage. It's in Luke. That when we return to God, when we come back to him, there is a celebration in heaven, no matter how great or little that may be. That is significant. And that is what God offers to us in this reconciliation. What does it take to not just say, oh, yeah, I believe that, I've been taught that, or maybe I'm hearing it for the first time today. I want it to be true, but how do we live that? How do we experience that? How do we take that in? If it stays an intellectual belief, if it remains just a thought, is that possibly why we remain calcified? Is that what is happening in this process? Stuck in this stage of healing. What does this look like? 
as this passage shared, we'll go through suffering. It's inevitable. We're going to experience these fractures, those sudden losses that may come at any moment. Or maybe those stresses that come and just break us down slowly, those fractures that come from an endless pounding of pressure, whether that might be relational breakdown, family origin. And we've done that initial first aid. What if we want to break through that calcification? We don't want to remain brittle, prone to breaking, struggling to handle any other pressure. This reconciliation, this love, we need that to break through this. You know, there's one more stage in the healing process of fractures in our bodies, and it's called bone remodeling. So after the blood rushes to the site, after it forms that netting, that lattice around your fracture, and after it begins to calcify, there's one more stage, and this is key. This is from 18 days onwards. This is ongoing. What comes next this beautiful network of vessels. What do vessels bring to a site? Blood, life, oxygen. And it says, if you read about it, that is when regeneration happens and this bone becomes beautifully strong and much more agile. It can hold pressure. It can bend. It is strengthened. We need that final stage right now. Wherever we are, whatever fractures we might be having, we have from the sin in our lives that we've participated in and also perhaps from the people around us who have walked in sin. We live in this world. What would it look like to have that final stage, to step into that place where we can receive that blood, that life, that oxygen to be regenerated? That's what God is offering in his reconciliation with us. There's only so much we can do. It requires him to bring those vessels, that lifeline, his love. I want to repeat part of this passage again. Verses 6 to 8. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whatever has caused this fracture, this gap, Christ's death brings that reconciliation. His love bridges that gap. It bridges and it brings life and regeneration. And this love that's in this text, the word is actually agape in the Greek. And it's a different kind of love. It's not the love of a mutual affection between friends. It's not love of a romantic passion between lovers. It's a love that wills the best for another, no matter the cost. It is that love that God desires to run through your veins, to fill your heart, to fill your life, to bring reconciliation to you and to people around you. This is what he offers, reconciliation with Jesus, receiving that agape love, Christ in us, and reconciliation with others, offering that agape love to those around us, Christ in us, 
pressed through us. This blood, this vessel, this love, this oxygen, this regeneration that we are designed to be dependent on. This is what he comes towards us with. And so I'm going to do something a bit different. I'm going to get you to reflect on a couple of things and then we're going to spend some time in prayer together and just receive this love because we don't want to just talk about it. We want to live it. We're following a God who is living, so let's engage with him. To start, however, I want to throw up a couple of statements to just take stock of where we're at, maybe help identify some of those fractures and what it looks like to step into having Christ in us and Christ through us. Where are those opportunities of reconciliation? So I want you to use these statements to get an idea of where you're at right now as a way to kind of gauge what's going on. These are all said in grace and love. And I have put these up. They came from Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, Pete Cesaro, another great book. It's in the foyer. They all came from that book because I was reading them and I was like, I really needed to sit with that. I needed to hear that in this time. And so I offer it as a space to be real with ourselves and be like, how are we going actually receiving God's love and giving it? So let's look at these statements. The first one, Christ in us. I want you to ask this of yourself. I spend sufficient time alone with God to sustain my work for God so that I live out of a cup that overflows. How are you going with that? What does that look like right now? Second one. Listening to Jesus and surrendering my will to his is more important than any other project, program, or cause. When was the last time you just spent listening to Jesus, being with him, surrendering your will to his? Got two more. Christ through us. I'm regularly able to enter into the experiences and feelings of other people, connecting deeply with them and taking time to imagine what it feels like to live in their shoes. How do we partner with Christ in this? Offering that agape love, that reconciliation, genuinely being with someone else as they sit with the fractures that they have in their life and pointing them towards Jesus. Final one. People would describe me as someone who makes loving well my number one aim. Jesus said to us that the greatest commandments were to love God with our heart, soul, and mind and to love others as ourselves. How are we going at genuinely making that a priority? Loving well. It's good to reflect. It's good to be real with ourselves. It's also good to do that, knowing that God loves us and his mercy is new every morning. And it is all to bring greater reconciliation with him and to the world through our relationship with him.
So let's spend some time with Jesus. If you feel comfortable, I'm going to get you to just kind of relax in your chair a little bit. Now you take a deep breath in. That's it. You can just relax. We're going to pray a passage of scripture that is also from Romans. It's from Romans 8, verses 38 to 39. I'd love as much as you can to empty your mind of everything else and just pray these words. Slow your breathing. We're going to step into declaring his love. This has been a really significant passage for me. There may be a phrase in here that you just want to keep repeating, whether that's just in your mind or even just under your breath, just saying it over and over again. But there's power when you pray in Scripture. So we're going to do that for a minute or so. But I would like to start by actually reading it over you and then encourage you to take it from there as Holy Spirit leads. And I'm just going to ask Holy Spirit right now, may you speak to your people and may you open their hearts to receive this love, the love of Jesus. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Something so, so powerful, just sitting with Jesus. And the crazy thing is we continue to do that. You can do that at any moment, no matter where you are. 
You don't have to tell him about where that fracture is or where the pain is. Just as he designed your anatomy for your blood cells to find the source, when you pray and receive his love, it knows where to go, where to bring that healing and that life. All you do is sit in it, declare it, believe it, receive it. Next, we're going to pray for reconciliation around us. And this is a complex topic. I have not covered so much of what this means. But in the simplest form, I'd love to pray and ask Holy Spirit to show us who in our life we can bring some of that reconciliation with. It says in Philippians 2, 3 to 5, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. So we're going to spend another little bit of time in reflection, and I'd love for you to have the courage, if you feel up to it, to ask Holy Spirit to bring to mind some relationships or spaces where you feel he wants to bring reconciliation. What does that look like? It could be as simple as re-engaging in a relationship, connecting with someone again when it's been a long time, maybe asking for forgiveness where you have wronged them. Maybe just being intentionally present to them and offering love, that agape love that might cost, that might be hard, that might feel like surrendering your will, but that is following Jesus' lead. Let's pray and ask Holy Spirit to bring to mind these people, these relationships, these spaces.
just um so we're just praying this didn't happen earlier but <clears throat> i just had an overwhelming sense of god's absolute love for all of you i was sitting here seeing you all engaging with him just being with him and it's like his heartbeat it started really softly and then it just started getting louder as his people, his daughters and sons were engaging with him. Oh my gosh, it felt like palpable in the room. And how much he just loves when we come to him, even in our brokenness. It was really powerful to witness um, that. I just, yeah, felt prompted to share that. Oh, Christ in us, Christ through us. We've just done that in such a simple way. And it's something that we can keep doing, whether you're doing this at home by yourself or with your family or with friends or on a Sunday or in your huddle or at prayer. It's actually our lifeline. We need these vessels. We need this blood to fill us, to restore us. And actually, if we are following Jesus, if we say we want to be his disciples, this is what he did. He spent time with the Father. You read about it in the Gospels or up on the mountain out on the Sea of Galilee, he was praying with God, being present to him, receiving that lifeblood, that regeneration. And that overflowed to the people around him. It's that constant receiving and offering. He needed to do it. And he was Jesus. So how much more do we need that? Jesus refused to separate practicing the presence of God with practicing the presence of people. So let's emulate that as his followers. Let's prioritize spending time with him, receiving that lifeblood, that agape love that is so powerful, and then offering it to the people that God's placed around us. I'm going to pray. Ah, Father, how good it is to be in your presence to be your people who come before you, to know you in this way. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you did to make that love, that agape love, that love possible, to make it so that we may experience it in our hearts and be transformed and regenerated by it. I thank you for what you've done this morning and the people that sit in this room, for the ways that they were vulnerable before you, And for the ways, Holy Spirit, you brought that love to those fractured parts of our lives. And I thank you that you don't stop. Just as you created us and knitted us in our mother's wombs, you know the intricacies of us and you created us to continue to live and breathe who you are in your creation. I thank you this healing doesn't just stop here, that it will go on as we leave this place. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for the people you've brought to mind, for the relationships, for the spaces that you're calling us to bring revelation, uh, reconciliation. And I thank you that we don't go into that alone. Actually, it's in the power of Jesus, your name, and the empowerment of you, Holy Spirit, to bring that. It is your work, God. We carry it as your vessels and we surrender our will so that your will may be done and your kingdom come here in Melbourne. We thank you for this time that you love us. We love you, Father, and we trust and believe in you. Amen. Amen.